Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. We're still here on lockdown, living on canned goods. I'm okay with and that. And ramen. Do you know, do you know what? I, okay, I made my first. Uh, I'm not, I haven't eaten so much salsa in my entire life. Yeah, you're kind of like. Hoovering the salsa. Yeah, yeah I have I'll had like none of it. it. Well, then eat some of it. Well, I can't because you would just eat it as soon as it comes into the house. It, yeah, well, as soon as like you grab it out of there, I just take it from you and say, yeah, no, this is not Yeah, you push me down and you start jamming salsa down your throat. It's just... <laughs> So with a wooden spoon. Just I, I got excited. Everyone everyone has their food items that they like that other people think are disgusting. And so I thought I, know, I, I would. I don't know where this is going. but I thought okay. I would go online and because like especially here in Michigan right now, they really advise not to go out to the stores for the next two weeks. Like it's, I don't know, the virus is peaking here or something. And it's, it's just, climaxing. Uh, <gasps> okay, okay. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try and order some perishables, non-perishables, on a website. So Target's website seemed to be functional. Yeah. It worked. I could find some things that they would ship. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'm looking at the op- my options for, for shipment. Is this one you told me about? And uh, I was like, oh, Chef Boyardee. Oh, gross. Yeah. So this is one of those things that I, I used to eat when I was little, like the Chef Boyardee ravioli. It was wonderful Come when we were on, kids. you ate it. You I ate didn't it. I didn't know. I totally you, ate it when I, I was younger. Exactly. I, mean, I, I had it a few. I think you bought a can of that crap a couple of years ago, and I tried. I'm like, this is disgusting. It's probably, whatever. But it's like, I, I still, like, I don't want to. Kids eat this shit? I don't want to eat it every day, but a can of it is sort of nostalgic and doesn't, like. It takes you back to a happier place when we didn't have worldwide pandemics shutting us I, down. I guess. But, and then, I uh, what else did I buy? That was, um, oh, I got nacho cheese sauce. Nacho cheese sauce? Yeah. You got to have some nacho cheese sauce During the pandemic. corona shutdown. Yeah. During the pandemic. So, yeah, we're here. We're still doing things. Um, yeah. I mean, stay away from the stores, I guess, people. Our local friends, our global friends, our nationwide friends who listen to the show here. Stay home. That's what we're being told. Yeah. And I doubt, you know. I, Use this I'm opportunity that- to lose a few pounds. <laughs> I'm staying out. Well, I, I've been staying out. You've been working out too. We've both been staying active. I lost four pounds. See, I'm because I'm not eating as much. <laughs> I'm putting on. I'm putting on. I mean, I'm not putting any weight. Because you're eating all the salsa. I'm eating all the salsa because salsa builds muscle. Uh-huh. I, I, apparently, I, it builds muscle mass. That, that's why I do that. I guess. No, I, we're staying active. Everything's cool here. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, but yeah. We talked to some really amazing people tonight. I'm really happy we had this conversation. Uh, Michelle Sabot, uh, RMT, is an ordained priest, Reiki master teacher, designer, artist, musician, author, teacher, and mother. She spends her free time with her children, painting, singing, reading, and discussing life with Dr. Grega when he's not pulling her leg. Also, if you can't tell, Dr. Dennis Grega, who was here also originally from Saturn, <clears throat> enjoys time on Jupiter. As, plans, we all, as we all do. <laughs> plans to project astrally to locate the Library of Alexandria and then time travel to it to add to the library collection. He also fully enjoys pulling Michelle's leg with all three of his arms. Um, <laughs> Best bio ever. We talked about afterlife data, that the project these two are working on, that they, they, they're spearheading. And... Yeah, they, really, have, yeah. they have three websites to visit, afterlifedata.com, yeah. afterlifelibrary.com, and Voices Across the Veil. Um, we'll include that in the post for the show. Too. Yeah, we'll have all those links up on the site. And I think it's cool to have resources like this because Man, the yes. topic of the afterlife and the paranormal is massive. And it's 
sometimes it's nice to just go through something like their library website, the Afterlife Library, and just kind of look and see what is out there and instead of combing through like Amazon or well, this really is the time to do it. a really unsatisfying Google search. Because I have found Google to be extremely unsatisfying now. You used to be able to just type something in and you'd be like, yeah, that's the answer. Thanks, Google. And now you type it in and it's like that's a like a magazine article from like clickbait. Thanks. Well, yeah, well, that, that's the, the algorithm is changing with that. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah. It, like what, what was it last night? You heard me flipping out the other night because I was trying to find out the exact type of oil I need. Oh, for the yeah, and you couldn't more. find it, which I thought I'm that's like, what the weird. hell? This is basic, stupid information that's that weird. I don't know because I'm an idiot, but that's why I went to Google for it. And I finally, I'm like, okay, well, it has to be this one. This will be fine. Yeah, well, it's going to send you to Lowe's first and send you well, to yeah, Walmart. Well, yeah, you got to go here. Send you go, over go, go, here. Go, it's ridiculous. Need oil? Go over here or go to a deal yeah. at Walmart, but we won't tell you what oil you need. No, no, I just want information. No, it's, it's weird. It's so, it's nice to have people out there that are doing kind of combing through stuff already and throw the resources out there and you don't have to use things like Google and just get bombarded with dumb stuff. Yeah. So if you're interested in afterlife topics, you know, make sure to go visit some of their websites, check it out. They'll be a part of the post, like um, I said. Um, and you have the time right now. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You can and that's read. why I was really happy we, we, we talked to Michelle and Dennis tonight because this is a great resource. This is super important for people that are interested in these subjects. We should all be interested in these subjects. Check out this show. We're really proud of this. We're really excited. Uh, enjoy our conversation with Michelle Zabo and Dr. Dennis Grega. So we figured out a second ago that it's been about 11 years since we've had the pleasure to talk to these two wonderful people that are on the phone waiting patiently for me to shut my mouth. So um, we're just going to get right into this. Uh, Michelle Sabo and Dennis Grega, how are you guys doing tonight? Thank you for coming back on the show. It's been way too long. Yeah, it's been a while. We have a lot to catch up with you on. Yes, yes, we do. Michelle, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm glad uh, to hear that. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. I was I was amazed that you know it's been 11 years since we started Afterlife Data and wow. yeah, you guys were yeah it was a new thing when we talked to you yeah. back in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sorry we haven't had the chance to catch up, uh, but we're here now. Thank goodness. Uh, That's and, okay. We have a lot to tell you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Why don't we just Why don't we just dive right into this stuff because um, now. And this is this has been a long-standing project, and there's like three websites I know. So we'll talk about those things first, if that's cool with you guys. Sure. But, you know, I mean, let's talk about afterlifedata.com to start. I mean, what is the purpose of of this? Let's say this leg of what you guys do. Well, Afterlife Data, as you know, was started back in 2009. Yep. And what we were looking at was um, another website called Afterlife 101 which had a lot of information on the afterlife. And we kind of, you know, were wondering, gee, you know, how does this compare to what everybody else says? Because afterlife101.com was, you know, channeled material and, you know, basically came from one source, right? So you 
always have to ask the question, well, you know, what does everybody else say about this? Yeah. So we started looking at a bunch of other sources and, you know, found out that a lot of the information was an agreement, nearly 95% of it. So, you know, we were just going, wow, you know, what is this? You know, Mm. there's got to be something to this. So we kept, um, you know, researching and, you know, putting more information up. And, um, you know, we just ended up with this fabulous database of afterlife information that had this huge, huge correlation of agreement. Mm-hmm. Now, and the key word here, I think, that we're going to, that I want to stress is database, right? Uh, yes. I mean, a lot of, it, go ahead, go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, it includes uh, channeled material, um, between life regression information from Michael Newton. Uh, the channel material came essentially from the Seth material and also uh, numerous uh, mediumistic uh, books that were uh, you know, compiled uh, as far back as the early 1900s. Uh, so we compared uh, disparate sources um, you know, using different modalities of communication over a, a span of time. It goes back to about 150 years of information. And so, you know, it also is curious to see whether there was any changes in the information, uh, modern compared to what, you know, what was said back in the early 1900s. And so to find a, a almost a 0.95 correlation is rather astonishing. It means that this, the information is consistent, that people agree with uh, the information they're getting from communications from outside physical reality, mm-hmm. and that is uh, actually, you know, in, in very much confirming that uh, non-physical reality exists. Now we're talking it's, about source material, as you said, books, things like that, uh, that you know, documentation for many, many years. Does this include? I don't know if I've heard this or not yet. Does this include just interviews, maybe with people nowadays? I mean, are we are we we're capturing information? I imagine over many, many years, not just from a certain time period, correct? Right. Yeah. And this, yeah, well, you know, uh, what we did with afterlife uh, data, of course, is we went back and we looked at things like, you know, uh, the Spirits book by Alan Kardak. You know, that was from 1857, right? right. And then there's uh, Heaven and Earth by Anthony Borgia, which was in the mid-1900s. And right. um, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Michael Cox, uh, Dolores Cannon, you know, so everything, you know, it spans over 150 years of printed material. And one of the things that, you know, we mentioned to you was that, you know, we've been doing a lot, right, mm-hmm. since we last talked. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we've done is we've started another website back in 2014 called Voices Across the Veil. Yeah. And we have small group mediumistic sessions on there and we are actually taking that material and we're going to be adding that to afterlife data as well so we're now bringing in other material that is very current and very relevant that is going to be compared to that as well i this may be a ridiculous question but i have to ask it the information Mm -hmm. you're getting now from these sessions right Mm -hmm. Is it, I mean, is, the, is it similar as far as the results you're getting? And I want to talk about some of the results, too, in a few minutes. But the results you're, you're seeing now, are they, 
I guess, descriptive-wise, are they similar to the older accounts from like 100 years ago? Well, in many ways, yes. Uh, the thing that voices across the veil sessions you have to be aware of is that many of the people that are communicating are still you know, either relatively newly deceased or are on closer planes to the earth. Okay. So when you pass away or transition, as I like to call it, um, you go in there with the total belief system that you had on earth. So there is still information that people do not know, um, you know, relative to their recent passing, and they are learning there. They're being taught. Um, some still don't even believe in reincarnation, uh, even after passing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so th there's a learning curve that's involved and much of the information that we uh, obtained uh, for afterlife data came from, um, higher entities. I would, I guess entities that, uh, have more knowledge of the big picture and so know more about how non-physical and physical reality works. Mm -hmm. So what we're, and we'll get into this later, we're going to have another program that is um, being prepared right now that will uh, actually communicate with higher entities and so that we'll be able to validate the information much more closely. Uh, much of the information that comes now through Voices Across the Veil is from people wanting to communicate with loved ones that have passed on. And so uh, much of the information is very personal. Mm -hmm. It's very confidential. You know, it gives them confirmation that, you know, the person's still alive, still kicking, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we do get some information regarding what the afterlife dimensions are like. But probably not as uh, a greater expanse as what we obtained through, you know, like the Seth material, the channel material from Seth, um, between life regressions, where basically the higher self is communicated with and knows a, a lot more. Um, so, you know, because of that, we are looking to uh, increase the, the, the scope of the information we're getting on direct communications with. Uh, non-physical entities at a higher level it seems that this is this is a collaborative effort between well let's just say you guys and people that are no longer with us let's say right um Definitely. yes i mean it sounds like it's kind of um you know it, it's it's a give and take relationship between both parties because it sounds like yeah when you say these are newly deceased people and obviously the term deceased is in our plane um, right uh, right they they still are kind of hanging on, and that's one thing I hear over and over again about this from from people that are in the mediumship or or who study this stuff. I hear a statistic right there is that sometimes people, yeah, it's a natural thing I think when if, especially if you you passed away or you've just you know you've died in this plane. I, it's kind of I, I don't I don't want to say that word, but it's all I can really think of. Um, especially if it's happened sudden and you weren't expecting to pass away you may still be kind of attached to this physical realm. It sounds, oh, yeah. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it sounds like um, 
These are people that, you know, that still want to maybe reach out to their loved ones, which, you know, and it's all very natural to me. I mean, I think that's a lot of people's uh, fear, even even older people who may, you know, just die of natural causes with their family around them. They're still going to have those concerns about, well, who's going to take care of things? I'm I'm not going to be here and I take care of everything because, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel. Right. right? Um <laughs> So I don't think that really matters about your age or if it was a sudden death or not. I think that's you're still going to be attached to being, you know, living. If especially, I think it's even more dramatic if you've if you've lived on this, you know, in this existence that we're in right now for eighty or ninety years, hundred years, right? So right. you're you're totally used to that. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. opposed to a, a younger person, I mean, and I, it's sad, like a twenty year old, a thirty year old, maybe they died in a car accident or something like that. They may, it seems like to me, they may have an easier time adjusting to that change. Um, but my whole point here is that it sounds like this is a collaborative uh, effort between the, the two groups. Uh, they want to reach out to their loved ones and say, hey, it's cool. I'm good. Right. And obviously us, you guys, we want to learn about what is really happening here. Am I correct on that? Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. It's being coordinated from the other side. Definitely. Uh as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a phone call with one of the mediums and uh, right in the middle of our conversation, and we weren't talking about anything, you know, related to what came through. She all of a sudden stopped and said, you know, one of your guides are here. And she gave the name Mojave and said that um, he is, they're supporting the work that we're doing and they're helping to support uh, the different projects that we're doing. And it's it's amazing that in the sessions you'll find uh, similar groups of sitters coming together where, you know, maybe just their deceased father will come through or maybe because they lost children and they'll all, they, they've all experienced that. It's, it's almost like it's being coordinated as to who's going to be at what session with what medium that have the same concerns. Yeah, And that's one of the beauties of, of Voices Across the Veil is because it's a small group session. Everyone gets a reading and everyone hears everyone else's reading. So not only do you get personal confirmation regarding your own loved ones and, and what's happening with them, but you're hearing the responses of others as they get their readings. And it, uh, sometimes it's not a dry eye in the house, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because well, yeah, it's, it's an emotional just, thing. That, that's an that don't surprise me at all. It's an emotional thing, especially, you know, it, it, it goes without saying. I mean, especially if you're a person who's here and you've lost your husband or your wife or whoever it may be. I mean, that it's going to be a, an emotional thing. That doesn't surprise me at all about that. So there's there's to dive into this a little deeper. So there's as you said, there's there's a bit of organization here on the other side. There's there's people saying, hey, look, they're coordinating over on that side. Um, and, and the grand purpose here is to try to, as I said, to try to understand what's happening here. How does this stuff work? What's the big picture, right? The, the right. question I have about that, and I mean, it's just, it's a thought more than a question is, it, it, I guess this kind of leads me into, okay, what created all this stuff? And I, if this is too, bi- too big of an expanse of a question, just tell me to be quiet. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> but, um, it seems like, you know, I would be asking, you know, as part of this big picture is, you know, how was this whole thing created? Why do we have the many, you know, the, the many 
levels of existence, uh, different, different, different chapters in our existence or our consciousness, right? Um, and I guess the big question, the main question here would be, is this controlled by one thing or is this just a system that organically kind of just developed over billions of years or something like that? It seems like those are the questions that I may, I, in my little brain that I have, those are things that I'm thinking about. Is that stuff that's been addressed with, you know, as a part of this project? Michelle, you want to take a stab first? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry if that I'm putting. Is a really big question. I know, and, and if I if I'm putting um, you guys on the spot, no. that's not my intention at all. And but, but yeah. if, if you don't want to get into this, I totally understand. No, um, that's okay. You know, I mean, one of there there's a lot of pieces to this, right? Yes. And, and I don't think Dennis nor I will ever say, you know, well, we have all the answers, you know, because we know we don't. I don't think we're, I, I would expect that. to help yeah. pull the pieces together. Yeah. So that people start to understand that, you know, and I'm going to go back and I forget the person who first said this, but you know, that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, not physical beings with a spirit. And okay. when you start to look at it from that perspective and the fact that we are all one and very interconnected, then you start to look at things much differently. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, that is the first thing that kind of has to shift a little bit that, you know, that we're not so attached to earth like you know this is the end all and be all for us right this is just a little part of our experience and a little part of our existence yeah so when you start to understand that you start to realize how much more expansive you really are well the thing about you know and it ties that idea which i have to say is a very beautiful thought it's a beautiful idea <clears throat> you know looking at it from 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 that way is because i think people this is all you have right now. This is all I have right now is my physical experience. And, and I, have, I have my physical body and a lot of questions. <laughs> That's all I have. Um, however, you know, obviously what's going on in the world today, because, uh, you know, hey, there's an elephant in the room. Let's address it. Mm -hmm. It does tie in with what's happening right now in the world. Sure. I, I've been saying this a lot lately. I was talking to some friends last night and, you know, of course in the comfy of my living room, not face to face with these people. Uh, whoa. Was that a car? That was a motorcycle. <laughs> by my house. He shouldn't be out and he should be fined a thousand dollars for be riding his motorcycle. Anyways. So there's a lot of Harleys around here. Yeah. So we were discussing this last night and I've been saying this a lot. I'm like, you know, um, I know this is stressing people out a little bit. However, I think in the grand and I and I, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that believes in synchronicity, right? And I don't think that, you know, things happen randomly. I think everything's happening for a reason. And this is a really sucky thing, the the coronavirus thing that we're dealing with now globally, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And my thing, I'm like, okay, I'm not thrilled about having to stay in the house all the time, too, and having to wear a mask when I go out and gloves all the time and be paranoid if I'm catching something every time I go out to get food uh, or something like that. However, it has slowed me down. It's slowed a lot of people down. Um, you know, some people I know it's harder for, than other people because they have to leave the house and go somewhere physically to make money. But even with that, I think if people were taking this viewpoint of 
okay, man, I'm going to take this opportunity and not be a rat racing around right now. Because that's all I felt like for the last 20 years is I've just been go, go, go. I always have a deadline to deal with. I always have somewhere I have to be. I'm sure you guys have experienced the same same thing, if not experiencing it right now. Um, I'm feeling that this situation we're in right now is just that. It's a time for people to kind of reflect, I think. To take advantage yes. of this time we have and reflect and maybe look at the bigger picture about things. I know not everybody thinks about the stuff we're talking about, but uh, but maybe think about where you're at in life. Reflect on things. Have some have some introspection on yourself, some self-reflection. Uh, and I think that that's a huge thing. What I'm hoping we as a people, and I'm going to get off this soapbox really quick here. Um, you know, what I'm hoping we as a people, we come out the other end of this thing with a renewed sense of, of our lives where we may look at things differently and maybe not be so stuck in the thing you were talking about, this whole physical thing that we're a part of where we have things like jobs and stuff like that. And look, we got to work. I get that. But it seems like it, 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 it just swallows people's lives up and they can't think about things like we're talking about. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. It also, you know, depends on uh, what you consider to be the underlying basis of reality. Um, Michelle maybe will disagree, or or maybe she will agree. (laughs) But, um, you know, I look at this society uh, and this reality as basically a training ground to teach us how to use energy um, and to become aware of the fact that we actually control our environment, we create our environment, and that we're not beset by outside circumstances that uh, we have no control over. It's, you know, that is one of the issues with over the last 300 years with the uh, materialistic philosophy in that uh, everything's based on objective materialism that uh, cause and effect and that, you know, there are circumstances out of one's control. And I, I believe that one of the issues with, with the virus is that it's showing us or giving us an opportunity to learn how we can control it, that we're not uh, having to worry about invisible particles uh, somehow infiltrating our biological system and causing an illness, that we have control over our own health. And it's an opportunity that, you know, if, if many would just take it, and not be so worried because, you know, worry and panic and fear uh, decreases the immune system, makes it more susceptible to, uh, quote, outside sources. But if you think of it in a different way that you have control over your own health and that you actually do uh, control your reality, then um, this virus could probably just go away. But it's a whole learning curve that you know, has been taught to us for many, many years now, mm-hmm. and not everyone buys into that. So, Well, I, the one thing I was thinking of, though, too, and that I think you actually have a better viewpoint on that than I do, uh, Dennis, is I thought, you know, my first thought was we are faced with something here that is I think the whole, you know, what you, what you referred to is the materialistic idea of, of, of existence, I think what that revolves around a lot of times is having control. 
I think materialism is a way of having control of things, having control of your image, having control of who you are, having control of your money, whatever it might be. Uh, And I'm an expert at this, so I know. (laughs) So, you know, having my arms around everything all the time. um, And I think it's a matter of control. We are faced with something that, I mean, at least, you know, in um, our known existence here in the last 200 years, uh, let's or whatever it might be. I mean, we've never experienced this before as people, like with our our perception of things. So well, that right- you know, the thing is, we haven't experienced it for at least the last ten years. I mean, if you look at the uh, CGC website, you'll find that between two hundred and ninety to six hundred and fifty thousand people around the world die every year from the common flu. And why are, aren't everyone up in arms over those yeah. statistics? Mm-hmm. Because everyone believes there's a vaccine so it's under control here we have we're beset with quote a virus that doesn't have a vaccine that travels quickly and affects you know uh, a lot of people Mm -hmm. Uh, and because there's no vaccine everyone's up in arms but you know is that really the case i mean why is it that it's been shoved under the rug for the last 10 years that that many people are dying and now it's, it's become a pandemic because of something that's very similar. I mean, the yeah. coronavirus is not anything unusual in the sense that uh, a lot of flus are, you know, spiked um, gene or, you know, uh, viruses, yeah. you know, the coronavirus. Yeah. So, you know, it's, but so that goes it's back an to interesting that can, yeah. kind of dilemma in terms of looking at what's going on here yeah. and how people are, you know, uh, worried about these outside circumstances that they think that they don't have control over yeah. and yet in some respect they've not had control over the last 10 years and it hasn't bothered anyone no it hasn't but I, I, to me now it's gotten out not the fit well, i mean it's gotten out this virus seems like it's gotten out but this idea this is i mean all we're experiencing right now is the result of, of, a, of, a, of a thought process a mentality that seems ah. has spread worse than the virus has right mm-hmm. And yep. it's and it's the alarmism that we have right now. And I mean, hey, I I'm, I have no problem with taking precautions. That's fine. Um, but that's my that's what I'm saying. Like we've never experienced something like this before, where pe- the people are saying, "You stay home. You have to stay home, right? If you don't, right. you have to, you risk getting yourself sick or getting somebody else sick or whatever it might be." That is that control mechanism I'm talking about. That I think is what's scaring people. And my thing with that is take this time to reflect. And look and look at these ideas and think about where you might be, uh, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't want, we could probably sit here and, re- and and go back and forth on this all night long, which I don't want to do. But I think it does play into this thing. I mean, for us as a people, like a whole race of people here, no matter who we are, where we're from, it's affecting us now. And I think my point is, I think that's happening for a reason. I, I thought that there may be something coming down the pipe, and this was years ago that would change us as a people maybe it'll make us look maybe make us force us to look at things differently uh from a different viewpoint and that's kind of what i think this may be i mean i i could be totally wrong i've been wrong a lot but i'm i'm feeling that this is something uh, that's going to change us as people hopefully for the better yeah i'd have to agree with you on that scott um you know i think this is way bigger than just you know oh there's a rampant virus going on yeah um you know, and I do think it would really behoove people to just, you know, take a step back and, you know, get out of your fear zone, get out of your stress zone, however you do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it takes practice. And if you're not used to doing that, it's going to take even more effort yeah. on your part, you know, 
But I think it's really important for people to do that because, you know, being in stress, being in fear, as Dennis said before, you know, that will affect your energetic body in a heartbeat. I mean, it works quickly. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the way you want to go about dealing with this because then you will be out of control. And well, that goes back to this idea that Dennis said also of manipulating energy. Like this is a, mm-hmm. we're in a practice ground right now to learn how to manipulate energy. Yep. We hear this all the time. Amber says this all the time too. I, I, I don't know about that person's energy <laughs> or they got, you know, and that's, or, or they have a very good energy, right? And that stress you're talking about, Michelle, uh, mm-hmm. that, that rat race type mentality, I think it's negative, and that's why people get sick. They get burned, not from this thing we're dealing with now, but I, I know it happens to me too. I burn out. My, my body, the, I find the older I get, the, and the, I just keep going at the same speed, which is light speed all the time, I'm yeah. finding that my body every few months goes, yeah, dude, I'm going to make you sick now. You need, to yeah. put the, you need to put the brakes on a little bit, slow down, and sleep for a little while and get some rest. And going back to the coronavirus thing, I think that's exactly what this thing is too, uh, but on a very, very much bigger scale. Whereas I'm just having to reset my own self. This is resetting the whole planet. It seems like, and that's I mean that's what I'm hoping I'm going to see from this thing uh, in, uh, in the big too. scale. Yeah, yeah, in the big scale. All right, sorry I didn't mean to take us way off into the weeds over there, but um, no, that's okay. That's okay. It actually it works well and with the with the afterlife too because yeah. learning doesn't stop after you pass from physical reality. I mean, there's a, you know, one of the reasons that when you go into uh, the initial afterlife planes, it looks very much like Earth is because, you know, what would it be like if you went into a completely alien environment? I mean, you know, how would you deal with it? So, no, when you go into the afterlife, there's many of the same types of uh, environments that exist there that are similar to the Earth's sphere. And, and then they learn more and more until eventually you get to a point where you realize you never really were a human being. Uh, you took on a human form, but you actually are a spiritual entity that will eventually take on other forms and other dimensions and other universes and, and so forth and so on. But it's, you know, we're like in elementary school here. Uh, we're learning how to manipulate energy at a physical level, um, many times unknowing the fact that it's because of what, how we think and what we think that these things actually get created. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, the virus itself, uh, how you think about it, it will determine a lot as to whether you experience any illness from it. And we've actually, there's been some channeling that's been done recently that suggests that uh, some people, that people are using the virus to actually leave this plane because they no longer wish to do the work uh, on Earth, that, uh, that energies are changing here. And, um, and this is one route for them to... Uh, to go to uh, you know the afterlife dimension and then take up from there uh, and and decide what they want to do at that point. Um, but that, there may be yeah a bigger picture here in terms of the virus and that this is a, a way for for those to leave. Uh, yeah. From my perspective, nothing's by accident. Um, no one dies by accident. Uh, the inner self decides when to refocus 
from this physical reality into uh, the non-physical. And so it's, it's not something that, you know, is by accident that you just get from outside forces that you had no control over. Uh, at a conscious level, you might not be aware of it, but at a, a much deeper level, the inner self definitely knows when it's time to leave. Well, I've never, so, I've never heard that idea before. That's huh? that's fascinating here. Like, I've never heard it presented that way before, right? As far as, I mean, your conscious mind, yeah, you, you don't know when it's going to come, but you're in, you're, I mean, your mind reflects your belief systems. Your belief systems actually will end up creating your reality. Your reality basically reflects those belief systems. You want to change your reality, you change your beliefs. And that's the problem right now with what I talked about before regarding the last 300 years of materialism yeah. Yeah. because many people don't share those beliefs. You know, thousands of years ago, they, they knew, you know, um, they were in connection with their inner self. Uh, we've kind of divided ourselves from uh, the greater part of ourselves. And so at a conscious level, we feel like we're reset by these outside circumstances and we're really not. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons we put these websites together is to try to relay the information that you are in power of your life and what happens to you is your own decision. And if you want to change it, you change it consciously, you know, and beliefs are not hard to change. Really. As, you're, as, as you're presenting these ideas, the, 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 the phrase that keeps running through my mind over and over again that seems to apply is quality of thought. Quality yeah, of yes. thought, quality exactly. of thought, quality of thought. Um, it is vitally important, Scott, that we really learn how to control our thoughts, control our words, control our actions. Mm -hmm. You know, it will make all the difference in the world, in, I, you know, in your yeah. life and the lives of the people that you touch. Well, yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, I, I see I've, you know, I've been experiencing this more and more uh, in mm -hmm. lots of situations uh, and I and I'm the first one to admit I'm far from perfect, and I know that sometimes and Amber Amber can attest to this. Sometimes I tend to lose my temper a little bit, get a little. I'll get a little. I not not quite. Just I might yell a little bit, right, Amber? Is that you get a, you get extra? I get what? You get extra. I get extra what? <laughs> just extra. And then she'll be like, "Okay, shut up, be quiet." That's what you basically say. But it, but it's something I think about though, because I do think about it a lot, and I've been you know it's one of those things where I keep saying the quality of thought, quality of thought. Um, Sometimes it's very easy to jump to a quick conclusion about about a situation you're in, which may be the negative thing. <clears throat> and one thing I've always said over the years about that idea, like if something is presented to me, I immediately go into, well, this is gonna, just going to fall apart and somebody's going to try to screw me, blah, 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 right? <laughs> um, and, and that's a defense mechanism. I think it, I don't think it's entirely not healthy to have a defensive, you know, to be defensive of yourself and to take care of yourself. Um but I think that goes to that idea we just said, that idea that it is quality of thought, where that's what my mind's doing. My mind is like a ranting old man walking in circles, you know, pacing back and forth in a, like a dimly lit room. That's what I picture in my brain is just some, some guy going nuts, right? Whereas I could still have that, that defense mechanism up, you know, in place, but maybe a more softer, gentler, kinder person who's sitting in a chair relaxing, saying, okay, well, let's just figure out how to do this thing. We'll, 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 and that's what I mean with the quality of thought thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you believe in magic or not, but one of the uh, training tools for magicians are to hone their mind, uh, to be very focused, 
to know what they're thinking at yeah. all times, to be aware of what they're thinking, not to deny any kind of negative things that come through, but uh, become aware of those and try to find the source of the origin as to why they were actually occurring. Uh, it's not like negative things are bad. Uh, they're there to teach. Um, they're there to learn from uh, by, you know, having them occur and being aware of them. That's when you can start to change them. And then you'll find that the environment starts to change as well. Yeah. No, and it is quality of thought, quality of thought. I just keep saying that <laughs> over and over again as we're talking about. That's all I can think of. Uh, and, I, and I do find... Um, I mean, I had a situation that happened a couple days ago, and I did kind of go, why is this? And I kind of gritted my teeth a little bit, and I said, you know what? I'm going to work through this issue. We're just going to work through it, and long story short, the, issue, the situation has worked itself out to be to be wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It started out as kind of a negative, and now it's kind of a positive. It's cool. And yeah. I think that maybe comes from that quality of thought, because I could have handled the people involved with that totally different. I could have screamed and yelled and made them upset, uh, but instead I didn't. I said, okay, let's, let's just work through this thing. I understand it's cool. It's not a huge deal, right? I think that's because that's the thought, the quality of thought. You project that on people, right? You project right. that negativity on people, or you can project that positivity on people, that, that, chill, uh, that chill mentality, I guess, and that mm -hmm. don't put those people on the defense also, right? Um, that's how I think that quality of thought I keep saying over and over again, that's how... I think that's how things run a little smoother. <laughs> I can't think of any other way. And it does apply to all these things. I mean, it, it applies to how you manipulate energy, like you say. I think that's what, that, that's what manipulating energy really is, is quality of thought, if I can say it one more time. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I think it is. Absolutely. We've talked about afterlife data. We've talked mm -hmm. about uh, voices across the veil. There's another piece to this puzzle, too that I haven't heard anything about yet. And that's afterlifelibrary.com. I mean, maybe it was a part of our conversation, but I haven't heard it directly addressed. Tell me about afterlifelibrary.com, if you may. No, it's you haven't heard about it yet. Okay, um, just want to make Afterlife sure. Afterlife Library was created in 2012. Um, you know, we had so many books, you know, so many sources that we looked at for, you know, including in Afterlife Data, that we said, you know, well, you know, we haven't included all of these things, but they're all really important books and, you know, important source material. So we decided, well, you know, let's not lose sight of these things. And we decided to create Afterlife Library so that people can take a look at all of those great books that are out there and, you know, decide whether or not they want to um you know, read them for themselves and, you know, get yeah. into, uh, you know, just some deeper research on their own. Um, you know, we've got tons of uh, different uh, categories, um, you know, the afterlife, religion, consciousness, paranormal, reincarnation, you know, sciences, you know, we've got, um, Dennis, what, about 3,000 books on there, I think? Wow. Almost 3,000 books, yeah. Yeah. And there's about, uh, I don't know, 240 some subcategories within those so it, yeah. it really covers you know whatever you're interested in whatever you're you really you know moves you to to find out about you can pretty easily find and uh, there's a lot of collection writer collections that we've put together uh so that you can read uh, one person's total works if you want um but the idea there was to 
you know, get this information out there so that people can start researching on their own and start finding out for themselves because ultimately the decision becomes a personal one as to whether you can believe this or not. Yeah, and that's true. And I think the problem is just that we've, we've talked about this going, this coronavirus thing again, but I, 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 what I'm, what I'm hoping though, again, with this is that, you know, people have the time to do things like this. And I'm glad we're talking about this because I, people that are listening to our show right now, I implore you to go to something like afterlifelibrary.com because you have the time right now, whether you like it or not, you have the time, right? Take this time. And if you're listening to this show, you have the interest in this stuff. You have some kind of interest in, in what we're talking about. So take the time to do that. You have this opportunity, you know, and that's what I keep saying about this thing is that this is the time for people to dive into this stuff and maybe learn something, maybe learn something about their consciousness, their existence. Uh, and this sounds like a great resource to do that. How long, and this has been since 2012 and you have over 3,000 books on there? Yeah, and we have another a thousand at least <laughs> floating around waiting to be put up to. <laughs> oh my God. And, and I mean, I was going to say, I mean, these are, these are from source material. Um, these are being scanned and stuff like that. I assume, right? Um, I mean, no, just... we, uh, afterlife library is, um, we, there are some things that are up there that are free to download, um, you know, because they were available freely on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there are, the other things are links to those, um, books yeah um online so you know like over to amazon or whatever and um you know so if people want to click on that that's great you know they can go ahead and purchase the book mm -hmm. and yes we would you know get a very small percentage you know if you do it from afterlife library yeah. um or you could just go on amazon and just you know type it in yourself and search um you know for that particular title totally up to you well, this stuff, this but stuff also afterlife costs library yeah. afterlife data you know they're both completely free resources mm -hmm. i'm just wondering there's so many books to choose from on the afterlife and and even a website like yours uh with the, with the massive amounts of resources to choose from you guys are experts in the afterlife. You, you, you're very comfortable with this topic. If you had to, off the top of your heads right now, give someone who wants to delve into this subject more, you, what would be the top three books that someone could go out yeah, and purchase right now? I would say Victor Zamet's uh, book. Uh, it's on Amazon, a lawyer. Uh, I'm trying to remember the title explains the afterlife i would uh, also read the skull group by uh, uh joan grant uh the skull group was a, a group in the uh, 1900 uh, 1990s that had amazing phenomena occur and then i would read like colin wilson's book on uh the cross correspondences we actually have uh beginner questions uh on the site that uh, also offers references to what we recommend. It's uh, Victor Zamet's A Lawyer Presents the Case for the Afterlife. Oh, I've seen and that book, yeah. yeah. The Skull Experiment by Grant Solomon. And then uh, also David Pontana's book, Is There an Afterlife? A Comprehensive Overview of the Evidence. Um, you know, so those are, are ones that we recommended on the site. Um, but there are so many. There's so many uh, now. And, you know, one will lead to the other because they all provide, you know, citations and references and that. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to go deep into the rabbit hole, I would suggest doing um, Jane Roberts' Seth material, all the Seth books. 
Uh, that is... And that, there are a lot of them. That will blow a lot of people's belief systems out of the water. And um, you probably should start with these other books first, but eventually you'll want to get to the Seth material. From For my money, that's the most accurate depiction of physical and non-physical reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the, the, the works have been archived by Yale, and it's apparently the most visited um, archive in Yale, um, but um, I, for me, you can't beat the Seth information, uh, and he covers. It, it, Seth is an entity, a uh, fifth dimensional entity that um, uh, spoke through Jane Roberts for 20 years from the 1960s to the 1980s and uh, dictated books, and they are uh, uh, they're extraordinary. They're absolutely extraordinary. What's even uh, probably the most extraordinary thing about them is that they were never edited. Whatever came out was written and published. So they were never, you know, uh, changed by an editor. I mean, and the wording is so precise and so exact that um, I don't think anyone on earth who's ever written a book could have written these books because everyone does multiple drafts, whatever they write. <laughs> and these just came out and were published as they were written down, you know, as, as they were dictated by Seth. So, Cool. Yeah, I would have to agree with Dennis on that, Scott. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd like to just mention is that, you know, sometimes when you're reading a book on topics like this, you know, you come across a book and you start reading it and you go, ah, you gotta be kidding. You know, and you just go, ah, this is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> this is garbage, you know, whatever. Yeah. And for that particular person at that particular time, that might be 100% true. They may not be ready to read what it is that's in front of them. My recommendation then would be put that down, then go someplace else and read something else. But the important thing is not to stop searching for this information. That's, you know, one of the biggest things is that if somebody just takes, you know, maybe one or two books and goes, ah, I don't believe any of this junk and then just walks away from it, then you're never going to expand your mind on it. So I would just say, go with what calls to you, go with what um, you feel is approachable to you. At that particular time, get through it, think about it, and then move on to the next thing. Right? I I can't tell you, and I've said this to um, audiences before, that I can't say that you know you should start here and then go here and then go here. We can make certain recommendations, but it really is going to be a hundred percent about each individual's journey and how they accept that material, and how they think about it. Because that's the only way that your beliefs will change, is if you do it in the way that's natural for you and your, and your own journey. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone's simply different. I mean, everyone's going to yes. have their own path. It's, it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Um, <clears throat> I have people that, I, you know, that I'm acquainted with that they won't go near this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's stuff that I'm like, ah, you know, I'm still, I question, I ask, that's my, and that's what I keep telling people. I'm like, well, you know, if you ask questions, try to find Absolutely. out, search it out, see what's going on here. Um, right. I, I, there's nothing that I detest more, unfortunately, nowadays 
than someone who just will not at least listen to something for a couple minutes that someone has to say. I, I, where I see someone just go, nah, it's garbage, it's BS, I don't want to hear about it, leave me alone. That, to me, is just a really shut down mind. It's a switched off mind, especially when it comes to to the topics like this. I understand how a person, I know what an atheist is. I understand what a person like that is. I know what a person is that that just believes that we're nothing, we're made of nothing but but mud and and some some other stuff, I guess. (laughs) I I get that, right? And when, when you die, you go back to the earth. I think that's kind of a beautiful idea also. But to me, I, I've explored those ideas, and I like to explore these ideas too. And I mean, I have my beliefs also. Um, that, and that's why. I, but I've told people the same thing though, Michelle. Um, I'm like, why don't you at least take some time and read it? Like, at least try to you know maybe understand it to a certain degree. You don't it, just take a minute before you shut it down. I guess it's just my own personal thing. It kind of grinds yeah. my nerves a little bit because I'm like, I'm not trying to like preach to you here. <laughs> I'm just talking about some neat stuff here. I think some very interesting stuff about where this stuff, this stuff works. Speaking of interesting stuff, also here, one thing you guys you guys threw on the, on our sheet here also was this idea of soul assistance. I want to mm. talk about that for a second here, if you guys are cool with that. Yeah, soul assistance. Um, it sounds like a really great song title <laughs> to me, actually. <laughs> a really, like a really good funk song or something. But I know there's a lot more to it than that. And um, let's talk about this. Soul assistance. What, is there a process to this? I mean, is this something as far as mediumship? Is this something that you guys do? We're going to be starting to do that. Uh, what's been happening over the last couple of years is that we've been getting what's called drop-ins. And that is people that are coming in that none of the sitters know about. Um, they give evidential information, but no one can relate to who this person is. Uh, what's happening is that um, people that are earthbound or are in uh, planes that are not as nice as people would like to think the afterlife is, uh, are trying to make a communication or trying to get through or trying to uh, notify somebody that they know but we don't know who they are so we've decided that we would like to implement a program where our mediums will actually invite uh, these spirits to actually come in and we will try to help them to quote go to the light but at the same time acquire evidential information as to who they are, where they lived on earth, who they knew, uh, so that we can actually confirm their existence on earth um, and to, to help them. And before, and this relates to before what I was talking about regarding the materialist society and, and the fact that people go into the afterlife with the same belief system that they have. Yeah. And, and, and many communicators going back a hundred years have stated that there are many coming into the afterlife that don't even know they're dead, that are not aware of what they can do with their body. Uh, T.E. Lawrence of Lawrence of Arabia fame communicated for like 40 years uh, and initially he himself found himself in the lower planes where uh, people were not aware of the fact that they were creating their reality through thought alone. They were still, you know, they were living in villages, they were still using uh, money, they were still, you know, living like they did on Earth. Uh, 
uh, even out-of-body experiencers have gone to areas in the afterlife where um, uh, uh, Jürgen Zilli, uh, a very uh, uh, experienced out-of-body traveler, has described, you know, large apartment buildings where actually there's Chinese living 10 to a room uh, in the afterlife and living like they did on Earth, not knowing that they have a whole new body. They have, uh, you know, things that they can be doing that uh, they're totally unaware of. And there, there are people that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that are stuck close to the Earth because, one, they're... They're still focused on either their body or on things that were happening on Earth that they have unfinished business with or that they're they're afraid, you know, that what they did on Earth, they're going to find themselves in some, quote, hell, which doesn't really exist, uh, but they don't know. And so they stay close to Earth and they stay close to the, the things that they liked on Earth. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people that, you know, for example, are alcoholics will you know, uh, visit pubs and bars and, and whatever and, and stay close to people that are getting inebriated here, you know, to try to get that experience because they can't have it there. And, uh, and so we're trying to uh, institute something that might help uh, from our end uh, them on the other side because, you know, they've been helping us a lot by bringing in people that, have, you know, uh, loved ones that, you know, confirm, uh, you know, life after death. But there's there's many souls there that need help. And the thing with, with those in the afterlife, it's like they're trying to help too, but those, are, those people are usually at a higher vibrational level, and it's very difficult for them. They have to lower the, their vibrations to go to the lower planes to try to help those that are kind of stuck in those lower planes. Yeah. And those lower planes are closer to us vibrationally so that, you know, there's a lot of out-of-body travelers that are helping at the same time from this end. And so we want to institute a program that we might be able to help some of those that are still stuck and, and get them to, to move on, so to speak. So let me get, I want to step back a little bit on that. I want to make sure I'm straight on this. There's people that have, <laughs> have crossed over. Yep. that don't really realize and i mean i want to i want to talk to that point um you know when i th i guess my my response to that one point you made dennis and you'll know what i'm saying after i say it is when all you know is living you know in a, in a, in a little apartment with with several people i guess it seems natural that you may just that's just who you are that's just how you live that's what you do um, right. I think the problem the, the the problem with that is that idea of education, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, people again, it's it keeps falling back to this idea, and and the more I the more I study this stuff for all these years, it just keeps falling back to this same idea that we're stuck in this heavy existence, this 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 idea, this gravitational existence that we live in. It's heavy here, man. It's it's dense, and. I think it's easy just to get hung up in this whole thing. I know I have, right? And and just let it take over you and who you are and and not think about what may be thereafter, maybe happening after, where we where you may go. Michelle, what you said to me really if there's something that I'm taking away from this is the idea that we are spiritual beings that are just inhabiting a body for a short amount of time, not the other way around. That's yes. a, that's a super important point.
I'm taking away from this, and I think other people should take away from that, is that there's more to it than just, um, yeah, this is just, you know, this is a part of the thing, and you're a physical body, and you've got a soul, and it's, it's the other way around. The soul is the, or your, your, your spiritual body, let's say, is the real meat and potatoes, not this, this meat that you're carrying around. <laughs> this dirty right. sack of water that we are as humans. I, I, I yeah. always like to use that analogy. I, What's that? I would say that is one of the most important uh, points of view that has to shift for an individual to really start to gain momentum in educating themselves about this more and to really move forward in their thought process. Because if you continue to sit in the thinking that, you know, I'm this human being and, you know, at some point I'll die and then, you know, stuff will, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, you just kind of get stuck in that from a very earthbound perspective. Yeah. Well, and it's a very short shift that it's a short term point of view. It's a short version yes. view, I guess. Uh, you're not thinking well, too far ahead. I mean, it's not a long, it's not the long haul you're looking at. You're just looking at, well, you know, it's going to hard life here and I'm going to die and leave people with a bunch yeah. of crap and they're going to get my vacuum cleaner and my couch and all this stuff. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, really that's what, I think that's how a lot of people view One of the things yeah. you have to be aware of is that uh, when you leave your body, you feel just as physical as you do now. And so there's a confusion sometimes that occurs when you do leave your body. I mean, you, you see your body laying there or wherever, you know, it happens to transpire, but you feel physical. And then all of a sudden you start talking to the people around you and they can't hear you. And if based on your belief system, one, you, let's say you never expected there to be an afterlife. Two, you just didn't know what it was going to be like then you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, traditionally, and like every um, transition is unique, but, you know, uh, in general, they, everyone goes to what's called, you know, uh, classically called the vestibule, where they're met with guides or loved ones, and they try to explain to them what has happened. But, uh, you know, you also go in there with a certain vibration level. And, and after you've, you've gone through this, quote, rehabilitation period, uh, you may or may not accept what's happened. And you will vibrationally then be attracted to those areas of others that are like you. So that's why in the afterlife, there are, you know, numerous planes. There are millions of, quote, Christian heavens and Jewish heavens and Islamic heavens and there's lower planes that are are not very nice and uh, because of in many ways the way you lived your life and so vibrationally you're going to find yourself among those that have like mind and that are like you uh, eventually I mean it's not forever it's not eternal there's no quote eternal hell but it, that's probably where hell came from because of a knowledge of these lower planes. But it's it's you know people feel physical when they when they when they die when they get out of their body they feel like you know they did and yeah. so there's a confusion there if they're not aware of the fact that they've left their body and they then don't know what they can actually do with this new body. Uh, they don't know that 
at after that, you know, everything is basically telepathic. They create their reality. They 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 vibrate and they go to an area that's very similar, which is why. You know, we're trying to, you know, with the Soul Assistance Program, we're trying with these websites, and there's researchers around the world that are accumulating enormous amounts of information regarding life after death that, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. That if people would, you know, become educated in knowing this, then they can be better prepared when they die and, and know, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's yeah. more to it yeah. than just carrying on the way they have. Well, what you're saying to me just applies to our life here, though, too. I, mm -hmm. uh, we all know uh, misery loves company. <laughs> That's all I can yeah. say about it. I mean, I've, I've found that, uh, unfortunately, people that have a lower vibration rate, um, let's just say they're kind of depressing people to be around <laughs> sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. I've I found, yeah, that that kind of you'll you'll clump together and i've seen that i see that happen all the time where where we're at now where, where i'm at in, in my journey right it seems like that's the same exact model that happens on the other side you're you yeah. come in if you come in there garbage in garbage out i guess if you come in there with a bad attitude that's we are gonna but it seems like well i mean depending on the mechanics of it over there it seems like they, okay well you're going somewhere because you're not ready to go to elevate here and maybe that's the case with real life, too. I mean, I, I think happy people, people that have a higher vibrational rate, you can you can feel that radiating off of them. You can feel that. Yeah. I'm talking about here, like where we're at right now. You can feel that. Mm -hmm. And those people are probably in a better place here, and they're probably better prepared to cross over there when they come in. They, and that's what it's all just kind of relates. It all just kind of. It's all a big ball of wax, I guess. <laughs> but it, it, it all makes perfect sense. It's just I don't – I'm trying to make it all make sense. And, make it, and it's – of course, it isn't that easy, of course. See, uh, the beauty of this is that you determine your own outcome. You yeah, know, yeah. there's no outside judgment. There's no, uh, you know, God sitting on the throne that's going to uh, render whether you go down or up. You know, you're determining for yourself what it's going to be like. And so there's a beauty to that because you're in control of that. And that, it, it all fits together. Yeah. And so one of the reasons for this, all these educational uh, websites that we're putting up and all the research that's being done around the world is to try to make people aware so that, you know, um, uh, who is it, Buhlman, uh, you know, mentioned, you know, it's like going on a vacation, you know. Who doesn't go on a vacation and know where they're going to go, what the sites are going to see, and when they leave, how they're going to get back? You know, but we here we come on Earth. <laughs> we don't. Many people don't even know why they're here, where they're going, and what's going to happen, and they don't seem to care. And there's a, there's an issue with that. There, you know, I, you know why is that happening? You know, and part of it is because of the education that we've gone through. Yeah. You know, and, and the belief systems that are in. in installed right now in society yeah well i think people aren't people aren't raised i are programmed or conditioned i guess they're they're conditioned let's just say to just think about right now right deal with this right now this is what you have to deal with you have to you have to get this project done for work you have to get this tps report put in right away whatever it might be uh the here and the now the immediate um Speed, speed, speed. I mean, I can go on and on about stuff like that. And again, it's been said already. It all ties in. It's the long haul. 
I, I don't think my middle manager who I work with is interested in talking about the afterlife with me. And I understand that they, they want results from me because that's how I make my living and this and where I'm at right now. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, so I think over 30 or 40 years of a career, which a lot of people have, this stuff just gets beaten out of you. You don't think about those things anymore. Um, and that's where I think the problems come from is that it's just how we are as a society now, at least in the United States, I think. They don't think we don't think about this kind of stuff because we don't have the time to think about this stuff. That's the problem right there, I think. I think that's very true, Scott. You know, I mean, there's you could get into a whole conversation about fear and control um, also yeah, <laughs> coming yeah. off of this. And, you know, if people, you know, started to step back and just start to recognize a lot of that. And, um, you know, then combining that with, you know, taking responsibility for absolutely everything that they do. And I mean, everything and everything that quote happens to them. Um, you know, there's so many things that are just intertwined here. And if we allow, you know, our cultures, you know, the things that we're kind of born into and are raised up in to just control us, then they will. They absolutely will. Yeah. But if you take responsibility of that, you know, for your own beingness um, away from that control mechanism, first of all, you're probably going to piss off a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but the other thing that you're going to do is you're going to start to look at things very differently and you're going to start to realize that there's way more to this than what you've been brought up to believe. Yeah. One of the issues with the here and now that you're bringing up is that um, people are, are aware of, you know, the, the reason that they're so focused on that is because there's a belief that they're just going to get extinguished when it's all over. So try to get the most out of what you can do as much as you can, because after that, it's all, it's all over and done. However, there's another perspective in the sense that, uh, one of the reasons they're like that is that they're always fearful of the future in terms of the possible failure of what they're doing now or what they've done in the past and whether they can actually still do what they're doing now that'll make the future better. So the focus is no, not really on the here and now as much as the past and the future. But all you really have is the here and now. And if, and if you can understand that on, a, on the basis of probabilities, because yeah. uh, I believe that we're the whole universe is probabilistic and that basically you choose what you're going to next, you know, what the success is going to be based on what you want and what you desire, then all you can really do is focus on the here and now and make it happen. And then the future will flow naturally. It will. Uh, I believe that. I so believe that because I, I, I know I've experienced that idea. Those, that what you're talking about, Dennis. Um, you know, just you know, setting goals and thinking about things and, and taking responsibility, like you said, Michelle. That's a huge component of it. I think is is mm-hmm. that responsibility idea um, in all situations. Uh, I think that's a that's again. I'm going to stay off the soapbox, but I think that it, a lot of the problems we have right now, which clearly affects where you go from here, right is that idea of responsibility and passing the buck more or less and not taking responsibility for your actions, whether they're good or bad. 
right? They're yeah, all the same. It's actually, it's a very scary place to be too, Scott, because, you know, if you take res- full responsibility for everything, right? Everything that happens in your life. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you've got to look at things differently and nobody is telling you, you know, oh, well, if you go, you know, do A, you will get B, you know, all of a sudden things become very malleable for you. It's scary and it's difficult. Yes. It's hard to, it's hard to mm-hmm. ride that road. Yep. It's, it's a hard road to, to be on when you do say, okay, full transparency here. No more BSing myself. I'm, I'm responsible for my actions now. And okay. I've, I've met people that have done that and they've stayed with it. And I'm like, man, you are awesome. Right. Uh, it's, it's a hard road. Anybody will tell it's you that. It's hard. No, it's hard to do. I will to do. be the first to raise my hand on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> to own things, you know, whether they're, I mean, that's what I, that's what I said. I said it already, like good and bad alike. Uh, mm-hmm. People love to take credit for things when it's good, of course, right? <laughs> um, but the real, and that's, you know, one thing I've learned professionally is from wonderful mentors is just that, where, yeah, you know what? You broke it. You own it. Stand up and take your licking, whatever it might be. And it may not be fun, but you know, you know what? You're better off for it in the long run. Deal with it, right? Yeah, yeah it's learning how not to become a victim. Exactly. You're not, exactly. You're not, you're not the victim. Exactly. You know, you're the actual, the originator of your own reality. So, exactly. you know, and that's a hard road to row. It's a you hard know, road it's, to be on. I 100% agree with that. Guys, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. This has been a wonderful conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. I, I, but, and I had a, I had a riot here. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, it, it was wonderful. Thank you, Scott. Um, I hope it was everything that you expected as well. Ghostly talk. <laughs>